reading from Luke chapter 2 today. In a couple of weeks' time, we will be returning to our expositions in First Peter, just for today and possibly for next week. We'll just think of something else. Luke chapter 2, and we're going to read from verse 21. Luke chapter 2, and verse 21. Let's hear the word of God. Let's read the scriptures of truth together. Luke chapter 2, verse 21, and... And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, Now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Aseer. She was of a great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about fourscore and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord. And speak of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. And when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. Amen. We pray that God will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading 
of his infallible and inerrant word. Now my text this morning is taken from Luke chapter 2 verses 36 to 38 and my subject today is a woman called Anna. Now there are many wonderful and remarkable women mentioned in the Bible, each of them unique, I believe, and special in their own way. In fact, a man called Herbert Lockyer has written a couple of books called Great Women of the Bible. And we could think of women like Sarah and Rebecca and Ruth and Deborah, Esther, coming into the New Testament, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Elizabeth, uh, the mother of John the Baptist, uh, Mary Magdalene. Um, and these are all women, of course, who had a tremendous influence uh, for God in their day and generation. Women who made a tremendous mark on their generation. And these are what we would call the great women of the Bible. Now, there's some women in the Bible that um, seem to have lesser of a prominence. And yet they're no less great women. One such woman was Anna. Now look at verse 36. Notice how the Holy Spirit draws attention to her. It says, And there was one Anna. Underline that. What follows is a little biographical sketch of her life and times, of what she did for God. Notice it's not a big biography. Notice there's only three verses, not even three chapters, certainly not a whole book, but just three short verses. And how does it start? And there was one Anna. Now there's only one Anna mentioned in the New Testament. You're not going to get her mixed up with someone else. You're not going to confuse her with a, a different Anna. It says, and there was one Anna. And you know, she's only mentioned in the Gospel of Luke. It's only Dr. Luke, led of the Holy Spirit, I believe, that records her life and times. Now, the Holy Spirit this morning is saying to us, focus on Anna. And there was one Anna. Consider this woman. This woman stands out from the crowd. She stands head and shoulders above many other women in society at that time. This woman singled out for mention. This woman is separate from the rest of women in her day. This woman stands out from the crowd. There was other women in the temple. There was other women living in Jerusalem. But Anna was different. The Holy Ghost says, and there was one Anna. Now, why is she mentioned? Why is this woman numbered among what we call the woman of the Bible? Why am I designating this woman a great woman? On a par with Sarah, on a par with Mary, the mother of Jesus, on a par with the rest. Why does Dr. Luke even mention her at all? I was thinking, of course, of Mother's Day 
I was thinking of mothers of the Bible. I was thinking of events that have unfolded in the week that has gone past. And my mind was drawn to, to these words. And there was one Anna. I was speaking to a lady not so long ago. She was telling me about her father-in-law who's ill. And uh, they were looking someone to nurse him. And uh, this lady told me that she got a phone call uh, from a lady that she knew in Romania. And her name happened to be Anna. And she phoned her and said she was returning to Northern Ireland and she was looking for work. And this woman, Anna, and her former occupation in Romania happened to be a nurse. And this woman said, in the providence of God, I believe you phoned me. I've got the perfect job for you. Come over here to Northern Ireland and nurse my father-in-law. And that was amazing. And again, I was thinking of the words, and there was one Anna. Only one woman called Anna mentioned in the New Testament. And this woman singled out by the Holy Spirit. And I believe the Holy Spirit would want us to focus and consider on her today, even in light of the fact that it's Mother's Day. Four simple little things about Anna. I want you to think of the wonder of Anna. It says, and there was one Anna. And we'll stop there. You see, Anna was a gracious lady. Now you're going to say to me, well, well where do you read that? I, I don't see that. The word Anna means gracious. You see, the old Jews, they knew the meaning of names. And they chose names for a reason. And whenever a child was born, the parents blessed this little girl with the name Anna. You could just imagine the scene, mum and dad having a little conversation, maybe more so mum than dad. Uh, what are we going to call the child? Well, you decide, dear. That's what happens in our house. You decide, dear. Uh, and of course, the name's given Anna. And I'm saying Anna means gracious. I believe that Anna was a woman who knew about the grace of God in her life. Let's remember what grace is. It's unmerited, undeserved favour of God to lawbreakers, criminals and sinners. And the moment a person professes to have experienced the saving grace of God, what do you expect? You expect to see the proof of the saving grace of God in the life. In other words, if you're truly saved by the grace of God, then the grace of God will be seen. The question is asked in Job, Job chapter 19, verse 28. Why persecute me? Seeing the root of the matter is found in me. This is Job's challenge to those that were falsely accusing him of being a dreadful sinner and saying, Job, because you're a dreadful sinner, God has punished you and all these things have befallen you. 
And Job said, Why persecute ye me, seeing the root of the matters found in me? And you see, if you're born again of the Holy Spirit, if you're savingly joined to Jesus Christ by faith, and you've got the root of saving grace in your soul, then you'll expect to see evidence of that. If the spiritual root is there, then you'll expect to see spiritual fruit, even the fruit of the Spirit. If you're born of the Spirit, you'll, get, you'll have the fruit of the Spirit. You'll have the gift of the Spirit. Now, the absence, of course, of spiritual fruit's a telltale sign. Remember the story of the barren fig tree? The Lord Jesus went and investigated. He, he, there was loads of foliage there, plenty of greenery, but there was no fruit. Mark chapter 11. And he cursed it. It withered and died. See, we live in a day when many profess to be saved. Many tell us, well, there was a time in my life when I experienced the saving grace of God. There's a time in my life when I asked Jesus Christ to save me. And I profess to know and love him as my Lord and Savior. I profess to be his. But here's the question. Is the root of the matter found in you? Remember the parable of the sower? The stony ground hearer, Matthew chapter 13, verse 20. The Lord Jesus talked about the seed sown on the stony ground. Remember what the stony ground was? A layer of rock, two or three inches below the soil, and soil two or three inches covering it. And Jesus said, and I'll quote uh, Luke thir- or Matthew 13 and uh, verse 20. Remember what he says? He says, but he that received the seed into stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it, yet hath he not root in himself, but dureth for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by he is offended. Now, let's get the picture. Here someone comes preaching the gospel, and the gospel is heard. And there's those that receive it with joy and excitement. And they rub their hands and they say, this is great. This is the message I've been looking for all my life. This is the message for me. And he receives this word to himself as a word from God. He makes a profession. I'm now a Christian. I'm now a believer. And he endures for a while. But he has no root in himself. Just an outward empty profession. And when tribulation comes. When persecution arises because of the word. Whenever affliction falls upon them. By and by the Bible says he's offended. You see if the root of the matter is really there. That root will bear fruit. And there'll be evidence that's seen. Be evidence that's shown. Anna was a gracious lady. Because not only did she testify of the grace of God, but she lived up to her name. What about you this morning? Can you say you're born again of the Holy Spirit? That you've tasted of the grace of God? You testify of the grace of God? It's truth that the grace of God is there because of the root of the matters in you. 
And the, the evidence of the life of God is in your soul. You've got a genuine love for Christ. You love his day. You love his word. You love his name. You have a hatred for sin. You have a love for righteousness. See, Anna was a gracious woman by name, but she was a gracious woman by nature. That was seen and recognized. She was not bitter. She was not angry or spiteful. She was not jealous. She was not greedy. She was not moody. She was not ungodly. She was helped and assisted by the grace of God. Even when difficulties come into her life, even when there was trials and troubles, this was a woman of grace. Think of this woman losing her husband after seven years of marriage. She bore with it. She wasn't bitter against the Lord. She didn't blame God. She, she didn't charge the Lord with folly. So early in her marriage, the love of her life taken, a loss, no doubt, that she felt keenly. Yes, there was dark days. Yes, there was lonely times. This was a, a traumatic experience for a young woman in her early 20s, maybe only 25 years of age. The question is asked by Jeremiah, how gracious shalt thou be when pangs come upon thee? In other words, how gracious will you be when trouble comes? When it knocks on your door and you experience pain and loss and woe, it's easy to be gracious whenever everything's going well and the sun is shining and there's no upset or trouble in your life. But when you've got problems, whenever you've got difficulties, whenever the storms of pain sweep over your soul, how will you react? How gracious will you be when the pangs come upon thee? What will you say then? What will your mindset be? Will it be to blame God? Will it be to be bitter against the Lord? Or will you bear with it? And as the Bible says, cast thy burden on the Lord and he shall sustain thee. Anna was marked by a spirit of graciousness. The root of the matter was there. The fruit was seen in her life. And I'm asking the question, is that true of you, young or old, man or woman? Notice also she was a gifted lady. It says, and there was one Anna, a prophetess. Now, now I've thought about this. This is a reference to the gift of prophecy. And I'm not going to try and explain it away. And I'm certainly not going to expunge it from the Bible. This is God's word. Here's two words. A prophetess. And there were women in the Bible who were prophetesses. Miriam, Exodus 15 and 20. Deborah, Judges 4 and 4. In the New Testament, you've got the four daughters of Philip that prophesy in the book of Acts. And you see, Anna didn't appoint herself a prophetess. She just didn't go about calling herself a prophetess and boasting, I'm a prophetess, you've got to listen to me. I've got a word from God for you. She wasn't like the Jezebel in the New Testament in the book of Revelation who appointed herself and called herself a prophetess. No. The Bible says, and there was one Anna, a prophetess. Let's remember that the spirit of prophecy had been withheld for about 400 years. After Malachi, 
It just means messenger. There was no prophet from the Lord for 400 years. The Lord was not communicating with any man or any individual. There was silence from heaven. And there are periods in the history of the church where the Lord was withheld his presence, withheld his power, and the Lord withheld the light of his word. Remember in Samuel, 1 Samuel 3 and 1, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days, or precious. And that's what the word precious means, rare. In other words, it was it was very exceptional to get a word from heaven. There was no clear, plain, expository preaching of the word of God. A prophetess, that's what she was. And that was a gift from God for Anna, a gift of the Spirit. It doesn't always have to mean a foretelling of events. It could simply mean foretelling about the things of God, speaking for God. When God did begin to speak, communicate light and truth, he gifted Anna, the gift of a prophetess. The Lord chose her. The Lord blessed her. The, the Lord honored her. Now this, light, this gift, I believe, wasn't a license to be a preacher. I, I totally reject uh, woman ministers, woman elders, woman bishops. Maybe we'll preach in that at some occasion. Anna didn't go into the synagogue and, uh, and assume the, 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 the role of the rabbi. But she'd got a gift from God. Whatever the gift was, we're just told she was a prophetess. And I'm saying it could have been just for foretelling the things of God, speaking about the Lord. Let's remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you look with me at verse 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 7. We read there about the gifts. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. And to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, to another the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of Spirit, to another divers gift kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But all these worketh that one and self-same spirit dividing to every man severally as he will. <laughs> the Holy Spirit has gifted to every individual gifts. Now some of these that I've mentioned were sign gifts long before the canon of the New Testament was given and are no longer necessary or functioning. But it's up to us to find out what gifts, if we're born of the Spirit, got the fruit of the Spirit, the Lord has given to us. One could be the gift of help. Another could be the gift of giving. Could be the gift of administration. Uh, could be the, 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 the gift of um, the children's work. Uh, it, it could be um, something that you yourself can, can do for God. But whatever it is, discern what your gift is and seek to do it for the Lord. 
I want to say secondly, I better move on quickly, not only the, the, the wonder of Anna, but the widowhood of Anna. If you go back to Luke chapter 2, it says, She was of a great age, and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity, and she was a widow of about four score and four years. Now we'll stop there. We're told that she was a great age. What age was she? We're told that she lived with her husband seven years. And let's suppose that she was married, say, at 18 years of age. She was a young girl. She was married for seven years. That means she was 25. And then she was a widow from the death of her husband from the age of, say, 25. And 84 years had now passed, for we're told, and she was a widow of about four score and four years. That's 84 years. So do the sums. If she was married at 18, the husband died when she was 25, and she was a widow now for 84 years, add them all up and you get 109. That's a long time. It's not a long time to be lonely and desolate without a husband. And yet, again, God has a word, even for the widow. See, the amazing thing is that God has a word for us in whatever situation we face. Listen to the words of Isaiah. In Isaiah 54, and in the verse uh, uh, 5, uh, it says, For thy maker is thine husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth, shall he be called. And as I've said, Anna was not bitter. Anna didn't blame God. She didn't say, you've taken away my husband, left me lonely and desolate. Now she could have many questions in her mind. It would have been easy to be bitter. She could have said, well, Lord, that's not fair. She could have looked at other people with their husbands, maybe married and around the same time, maybe thinking, well, why me? Am I being punished? Has something happened that this has befallen me? Had I been put on, none of these things were reading off in the scriptures. We're just told the facts. She was of a great age. She lived with a husband seven years from she got married. <coughs> she was now a widow. She'd been a widow for 84 years. She didn't turn from the Lord. She turned to him. She trusted him. She talked to him. She took him to be her husband. The widowhood of Anna. Notice something else. The work of Anna. It says, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. Notice two things. Her devotion and her diligence. She served God. Here's what she did. She fasted and prayed. Two specific areas are mentioned. We, we could sort of say, well, there's no regular duties for a woman to perform in the temple she, she can't adopt the role or function of a rabbi or a levite here was her service for god here's what she did she fasted and she prayed and we're told when she did it night and day continually constantly she's over a hundred folks in fact she's 109 and the aged woman that we could sort of say in that day would, would probably put many to shame. 
Imagine this woman missing a few meals to fast. This woman giving up a few hours of sleep to pray. Fasting, I believe, to a spiritual end. Praying to a spiritual end. We're not told what she prayed for, but we just know that she fasted and she prayed. This woman had an idol, the work of God. This woman wanted to see the work of God flourish and prosper and go on. This was a widow indeed. A woman who was desolate. And yet in that situation she trusted in the Lord. Listen to First Timothy chapter 5 and verse 5. He says, Now she that is a widow indeed and desolate, trusteth in God, and continueth in supplications and prayers night and day. He's got the example of Anna. Because that's exactly what Anna did. Yes, she was a widow, but she gave herself to work for God. And we're told what she did. You know, I'm thinking about Joseph Scriven's hymn. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Do you know Joseph Scriven was a native of Bambridge? Joseph Scriven was engaged to be married. And then in tragic circumstances, his young wife died. And he was heartbroken. You can just imagine the bitterness and soul. And then he went away to Canada and he met another girl. And again, he was engaged to be married. And all the excitement of that. And, and this girl uh, was being baptized in one of the lakes in Canada, freezing cold water on the night that or day that it happened. And she took some form of pneumonia and died as well. He was broken two times. Unbelievable in a sense. Wave after wave of trouble. His mother wrote him a letter from Banbridge that came to Canada. And part of the letter included the words that were formed into a hymn. What a friend we have in Jesus. Because she was writing to comfort him as a mother would her son. And you know Joseph Scriven trusted the Lord the minute the circumstances what happened just into the Lord's hands and he went about serving the Lord from town to town city to city telling of his experience giving out tracts being involved in the open air trying to do something for God and for the work and the glory of God and that was Anna you see what can you do for God don't think there's nothing that you can't do because there's things that you can do. And here's something that you can do. You can pray. You can bring the need of the work before the Lord. If the Lord puts it in your heart, you can skip a meal or two. This kind can come forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. I, I'm minded of the Isle of Lewis in the days of revival, Duncan Campbell. And there's two old saints of God there half ten at night I don't believe they were married two sisters and they gave themselves to prayer they waited on God and it was only a short time after waiting on God that they sent for Duncan Campbell they knew he was coming and of course then a move of the spirit had broke out where did it start it had to start when God gave the spirit of grace and supplication to those women to pray one, one, one final thing. I want you to think of the worship of Anna. It, it, it says here 
which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in at that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. See, Anna didn't depart from the temple. She made God's house her home. She, she, she planned to be there. She loved to be in the house of God. The services in the temple were at 9 a.m. in the morning and 3 p.m. in the afternoon. She was at all the meetings. Remember during the time of mission, we had many elderly folks out at the time of the meetings. They wouldn't miss them. Even one lady phoned a friend in Crossgar and got her to drive to Cumber to bring her here to the meeting. For she wouldn't plan to miss. Again, I was thinking of Anna. You see, at one of these meetings, Anna saw the Lord face to face. Now, let me just say this before we finish. Anna's father, we're told in the Bible here, was called Phanuel. Now, now that's, that, that's akin to uh, Peniel uh, in Genesis 32. Because that word Phanuel, anything ends in E-L, has to do with God, that word Phanuel has to do with facing God or face to face with God or the face of God. Now, can you think of that? That's what her father was called. She was looking in the face of God. Was not prophetic because this man's daughter seen the face of God in the person of Jesus Christ. At that time, Mary and Joseph come into the temple. Baby Jesus was eight year old. They were going to, to, to uh, circumcise him. They were going to give him the name Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit said. And as they come in, old Simeon took the baby out of Mary's arms or out of Joseph's arms. And he held the child and he blessed the child. And he started making uh, statements about uh, this child. Start speaking to Mary and Joseph uh, uh, about the child. And at that very instance... Anna came into the temple. That very moment, she heard what Simeon said. She was at one of the services. You know, I was thinking, shouldn't that be our goal every Lord's Day? To come into the house of the Lord and to see Christ with the eye of faith. To look for him. To, to, to make him the love of our life we have to be honest we haven't been so diligent or devoted in seeing him as the love of our life seeing him who is precious to us remember Thomas he was not at the first meeting when the Lord appeared he was absent and Thomas missed out and let me not only say that she saw the Lord in person but the Bible says and she gave thanks. Underline that. In other words, she was joyful. She was full of joy. And what tribe was this woman from? She was of the tribe of Asir, which means Asher. Asher was the eighth son of Jacob. The name Asher, by the way, means happy and blessed. How blessed she was when she seen the Christ child. Don't we read in the New Testament, then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord? She saw Christ. She saw the Messiah. She saw the consolation of Israel. She saw the one in whom there was salvation. 
Maybe you're here this morning. You've come to worship God. But you haven't seen the Lord for a while. There's a joyless spirit in your soul. Maybe unhappy. Maybe you're discouraged through circumstances and situations that have arisen. And you're just going through the motions in a sense. But we need to see the Lord. Because when you see him, then you'll be truly blessed. Then there'll be the giving of thanks. Then there'll be the joy in the spirit. And not only that, then there'll be the speaking of him. Look, look, look what it says. And speak of him to all them that look for redemption in Jerusalem. Are you looking for redemption? Are you willing to, to speak of him? See, she couldn't keep it to herself. She was asking, are you looking to be saved? Are you looking for redemption? Are you looking for Messiah? Well, I have seen him. I can tell you who he is. Wasn't this so true of others? I was thinking this morning of the wonder of this woman who tasted the grace of God. This this woman who had the very name graciousness, but also in her nature. And it was put there by the Spirit. This lady who was gifted to do a work for God. And yes, she suffered great hardship in that she was a widow for 84 years. But she rose above it. She bore with it. And she brought her burden to the Lord. And she did a work for God all those times. And she worshipped by seeing him. We need to worship by seeing him. And be truly blessed in her soul and encouraged. And then go out and speak of him. When did you last speak of him? When did you last speak to him? A seeing him. A singing of him. A speaking of him. That's the worship. May we experience the same thing. May the Lord bless these few remarks to our hearts today.